Hello and welcome to MedTalk Podcast, a medical revision podcast for medical students by medical students. I'm Shannon Kelly, a medical student currently studying in Albany in Western Australia. Joining me today is Dr. Carly Roxborough. She's a GP obstetrician and a senior lecturer here at the Rural Clinical School. This is part one of our episode on normal antenatal care, which will cover the topics of preconception, the initial antenatal visit and investigations, and the antenatal care schedule. Part two will cover further investigations and scans throughout pregnancy, as well as first trimester screening. Did you want to tell us a little bit about yourself, Carly? Hi, Shannon. Thanks for having me on today. Yep, I'm Dr. Carly Roxburgh. I'm a GP obstetrician here in Albany. I've been here for about 10 years and I'm also a medical coordinator with the Royal Clinical School. So thanks for joining us today, Carly. We're going to jump straight into a case now. Wendy is a 29-year-old female patient who presents to you wanting to have a discussion about trying to fall pregnant. She's completely well with no relevant past medical history and no regular medications. Um, so Carly, having heard that introduction, what advice might you give this woman about optimising her health in trying to conceive? Um, thanks, Shannon. Um, so whenever I see a new patient who's come to me for a preconception visit, first of all, I want to try to get to know who they are and a little bit about their general health. Um, in this case, you've said she's got no past medical history, but I really want to clarify that and find out specifically, has she got any um, gynae history? Um, has she ever been pregnant before? Um, has she already been trying for pregnancy? How long has she been thinking about this sort of thing? And how much does she already know about getting pregnant? So I'll start off by just trying to get to know her a little bit. Um, in terms of specific things, well, the most important things to start with are the obvious things. So, um, does she smoke? That's an easy one to address. Does she drink alcohol? Is she um, on any medications that might be contraindicated or might need to be changed? Um, in terms of um, medications that are contraindicated in pregnancy, the common ones would be antihypertensives so if someone's got essential hypertension you would want to opt optimize that but also if she becomes pregnant usually people are on things like ACE inhibitors so you'd want to swap them to something like labetalol or methyl dopa which is safe in pregnancy. Um, Anti-epileptics also could be a um, contraindicated in pregnancy so um, it's worth um, optimizing those. Again another common thing we see is um, people who are on antidepressants and antipsychotics so making sure those are going to be safe if they can see. Um, is there anything in her past medical history that needs sorting out? So for example um, does she need optimization of her asthma or um, is she due for a cervical screening test or those sorts of things so making sure that everything is sort of all the foundations are there in terms of her underlying health and then specific for pregnancy um, I would think about talking to her about risk factors, so um, risk factors for pregnancy complications such as um, 
having a high BMI is a risk factor for gestational diabetes and um, specifically where we are in Albany and in most rural places having a high BMI can mean that you need to go to Perth to have your baby so um, that's a common one that I talk about and I do try to help people to address that before um, conception. Um, other things might be to do with their occupation or their life so for example if they're working in childcare you might think about CMV risk and um, those sorts of infections. You'd want to know um, in terms of their infection risk again whether they've got cats at home and those sorts of things so I think just as a side sometimes you leave those things till the first antenatal visit and then we would move on to examination so on examination in a preconception visit I'll be thinking about blood pressure obviously you want to detect um, underlying hypertensive disease height and weight I think it's really important to document them and calculate the person's BMI and doing their any screening tests that are due so if their cervical screening test is due I'll do that um, moving on to investigations I usually do get them to do some preconception investigations so the kind of things would be checking their serologies so things that you can correct so rubella make sure they're immune if not you can give them an MMR preconceptually I usually do their hepatitis B and C and HIV as well um, syphilis, um, the things like checking for um, iron deficiency and thyroid function, I don't know if they're formally recommended but we often do them because if you find something it's something you can correct mm. antenatally and then as I give them the blood test form to go off and do that I also talk to them about starting some folate supplementation so it's recommended to take at least 0.5 milligrams of folate daily unless you're in a higher risk um, for neural tube defects in which case it's 5 milligrams and those people are um, people who are on um, certain medications so anti-epileptic drugs and um, people who've got a previous history of a condition um, in their baby and also people with a high BMI, so anyone whose BMI is above 30, it's recommended they take a higher dose of um, folate of 5 milligrams instead of 0.5 milligrams. Um, so the other one that's um, important is iodine, which is important for babies' um, thyroid and brain development. And most of the folate preparations that you can buy contain folate and iodine together. Um, so I usually advise people just to take any pregnancy multivitamin um, and additional folate if they need it. Um, and of course the MMR vaccine is contraindicated in pregnancy so you yeah. want to see if they're immune beforehand and try yeah. and give it to them before they fall So pregnant. if you're going to give them the MMR vaccine because it's a live vaccine you need to wait four weeks after giving it before becoming pregnant so you need to explain that really carefully to them if they come back and they're not sure if they might be pregnant it's better to defer that. Okay. So Wendy comes back to your rooms four months later and she's delighted with the news that she's fallen pregnant. Um, it's based on a home urine pregnancy test and Wendy believes that she's approximately 12 weeks pregnant. What sorts of questions would you start initially asking Wendy in that consult? First of all, I would be 
really interested to get the dates correct because sometimes people calculate it from when they think they've ovulated. The correct way to do it is from the first day of your last period. But you also need to take into account the length of the cycle um, and um, even knowing all of those things, sometimes when you scan them they're actually out by a week or two. So the, the first thing would be to um, confirm when the last menstrual period is, but I think in this day and age we do early dating scans um, as a routine and that's really important to make sure we know exactly where we're up to. Other questions I'd be thinking about now would be double checking those results that I ordered from the preconception visit. Um, did she end up taking the multivitamins as requested? Um, any other um, medical conditions or anything else that's developed since? And usually I'll inquire about what symptoms women have. So it's very normal in the first trimester to experience um, breast tenderness, extreme lethargy. So um, many women describe it like feeling like you've been hit by a truck. Um, just absolutely no energy to get up and get going. Of course, there's uh, nausea and vomiting. Mm -hmm. Not all women get um, nausea and vomiting. Many women just get nausea, but it can still be quite debilitating and a lot of women have to have time off work. Um, so I usually check in as well how they're going with work and how they're going um, financially because that can be a pretty big stressor. Obviously I'd revisit the kinds of things that we discussed in the preconception visit and assuming that everything is normal so you know assuming that she doesn't have any underlying medical problems or um, smoking or um, any other modifiable risk factors then the um, first thing I'd do for examination would be to measure her blood pressure. So as obstetricians, we're always interested in, in women's blood pressure. Um, I would formally document her height and weight if I haven't, um, presumably her height's the same as what it was before, but um, it's always good to if she's scanned have any a, weight, yeah. um, a booking weight. Um, and normally, personally, I would do a bedside ultrasound. So on bedside ultrasound, you can usually see an embryo with a fetal heart once you get past seven weeks. Um, I don't usually scan them before that because sometimes you can see something, but if you can't, it's very stressful. So um, you really need a transvaginal scan um, to reliably see something before seven weeks. So if she thinks she's 12 weeks, I would definitely do a bedside scan there and then. Um, and then after the scan, I would get a urine sample there's no point getting a urine sample before the scan because then she'll have an empty bladder and I wouldn't be able to see anything. Are there any mental health um, questions that you might ask the patient at the first visit? So in obstetrics we use the Edinburgh Postnatal Depression Scale and we traditionally administer that towards the end of pregnancy and then postpartum. Um, I'm not sure if it's formally part of the first visit, but it's certainly important to assess someone's mental health. And usually I'll do that when I'm asking them how they're travelling with their symptoms yeah, and okay. um, 
finding out how they're going at work is usually quite a good um, indicator of how, um, how, how someone's coping. Yeah. yeah, but I think if, if you um, detect anything, you do need to explore that because, as you know, perinatal mental health problems aren't just postnatal, it can occur any time during pregnancy. Yeah. Yeah. And so we've sort of talked about a few of the investigations that you would do at the preconception visit, but mm-hmm. coming back four months later um, with a confirmed pregnancy, could you run us through what those booking investigations are? That's a lovely exam question, Shannon. <laughs> <laughs> so I, on my clinical software, I have one button I press and it all comes out. So I'll try to recite them for you. Normally I do a full blood count, a ferritin, um, a group and screen for um, the blood group and antibodies. Um, I do their infectious diseases serology, so HIV, hepatitis B, hepatitis C, rubella and syphilis. Um, we do a random blood sugar level, which is a screening for um, pre-existing diabetes. And then we do a um, chlamydia screening, which can either be a first pass urine or a self-obtained low vaginal swab. And we always do a midstream urine sample for MCNS as well, which is to look for um, asymptomatic bacteriuria, which is usually not important but in pregnant women it is important because there's a high risk of pyelonephritis developing um, having their cervical screening up to date Um, yeah and I think vitamin D you'll see that taken a lot and the reason is that vitamin D screening is recommended in people who are at risk and the fact that we live here in Albany is a risk factor Mm. (laughs) Um, and most pregnant women don't get enough sun um, because we're all advised not to go in the sun. So you press your button on your computer and you organise all those investigations um, and I guess Wendy asked the question what might her visit schedule look like from now? How many times do you want to see her and what sort of scans might happen at what time? Yeah, so that's a really common question. Usually what we do in my practice is give all of the women a um, handbook, which is called the Pregnancy, Birth and Baby Handbook, which is put out by the Health Department, which contains all of the information that a woman needs to know about pregnancy. But essentially the traditional way of doing it is that you'll see the women about monthly until roughly 32 weeks um, and then fortnightly after that and then there's increased visits depending on their risk factors. Um, the sometimes guidelines say for nulliparous women, so women having their first baby, we see them weekly in the last month and the reason is that you're screening them for more closely for preeclampsia because they're primates obviously more at risk but I guess it sounds like it is sort of a case-by-case basis in terms of Mm. their individual risk factors yeah so I think the minimum would be monthly until 32 weeks and then fortnightly after that and then some women would have more okay yeah
So this lady comes in and um, you've sort of talked to her about the uh, frequency of her visits and what that will look like. At each of those visits, um, what's a, what are the sort of things you might talk about on history um, and what are you looking for on examination? Yep, so the routine antenatal visit, if you like, is fairly standard from visit to visit and the easiest way to conduct it is to use the handheld record which has a convenient little table in there that you can just fill in. So um, usually I'll start by taking history asking how's everything going, um, is the woman feeling the baby move which normally you would expect to happen around the 20 weeks mark. Um, then um, do they have any concerns, what are they worried about usually those concerns change as the pregnancy goes on so it's in the first trimester it tends to be tiredness, nausea and vomiting, um, not being able to keep down enough fluid, not managing to keep down their tablets um, and those sorts of things I usually deal with those first before moving on to examination. Um, in the second middle trimester usually people feel pretty good that's the sort of nice glowing phase mm. of pregnancy although not everyone so not everyone's nausea settles down some people do have nausea and vomiting the whole way through and that's that can be normal. Um, in the third trimester you tend to get more and more reflux type of symptoms heartburn leg cramps at night are really common um, musculoskeletal pains, ligamentous pains, particularly low back and pelvic sort of area. Um, bladder symptoms can be quite common, particularly in multiprous women. Um, so it's, it's really just about eliciting all of those symptoms. Quite often all women need is a bit of reassurance um, and working out if there's anything you can do to help them. And then in, moving on to examination, so the key things in examination for your obstetrics visits are measuring the blood pressure, checking for protein in the urine um, and then an abdominal palpation. So when you do your abdominal palpation, measuring the fundal height from the symphysis pubis to the top of the fundus, working out the position of the um, fetus, so looking at whether it's cephalic or breech or transverse. And then when you get a little bit further along in the pregnancy, you can feel which side the back is on. Towards the end, you start to think about whether or not the head is descending into the pelvis. So you can talk about whether it's five-fifths above the brim or four-fifths. Um, and of course, the fetal heart rate as well. And so on top of the booking bloods that we've spoken about, are there mm -hmm. any repeat investigations or new investigations that you might order um, as time goes on and she progresses through her pregnancy? Yeah, so definitely the main sort of milestones of pregnancy are the 28 weeks. There's a glucose tolerance test, um, which is a two hour 75 grams glucose challenge. And that's the screening test for gestational diabetes. Usually at that same point, we measure their full blood count to screen for anemia, and I always measure their ferritin as well, although that's not in the official guidelines, but iron deficiency is quite common. Um, if the women are rhesus negative, then we repeat their group and antibody screen at that stage as well. So 
that's usually between 26 and 28 weeks I get them to do all of those bloods in one go um, and then if they're if they are a negative blood group they get their first dose of anti-D after they've done that blood test at 28 weeks um, the second dose of anti-D comes at 34 weeks and the same thing before we give it we do a group and screen just to make sure they haven't developed any endogenous antibodies and then the final round of blood tests is at 36 weeks and again that's just a full blood count to screen for anemia and that's also the time when we do the group B strep screening um, which is a low vaginal swab and perianal swab. And let's say this woman hadn't had a flu vaccine and she also hadn't had the pertussis or whooping mm -hmm. cough vaccine um, and these are both vaccines that are safe in pregnancy. Mm -hmm. um, at what point might you recommend she have those vaccinations? So they're different um, advice to each other. So the flu vaccine is recommended in pregnancy um, as it seasonally becomes available. So usually it becomes available in sort of about a third of the way through the year, April, sort of April, May. And that's recommended for all pregnant women, no matter what trimester they're in. And the reason for that is that pregnant women who catch influenza have a higher rate of very serious adverse events, including requiring ICU admission and death. So we, we try to protect them with the flu vaccine. The whooping cough vaccine is actually given to protect the neonate. So the idea behind that is that if you vaccinate pregnant women, the antibodies that they produce will actually cross the placenta and the baby will be born with what's called passive immunity and that immunity lasts for about six months after they're born so hopefully by the time they're six months old then they've completed their own primary course of um, pertussis immunization and the strategy of vaccinating pregnant women has shown been shown to dramatically reduce the number of newborns who get pertussis um, and newborns who get pertussis are the highest risk group, so they're the most likely to have severe complications and death from whooping cough. So that one you need to give towards the end of pregnancy. So it's usually given around, I give it around the 28 weeks mark. I think it can be given any time from 20, but to optimise the antibodies at birth, mm. As far as I know, 28 weeks is about right. If you vaccinate too early, the antibody response will have waned by the time the okay. baby's born. So yeah. you want to have a maximal antibody response so it's about around the time of birth. The timing. Yeah, yeah. Thank you for listening to part one of MedTalk's Normal Antenatal Care episode. Please join Carly and I for part two, where we discuss the role of ultrasound throughout pregnancy, as well as first trimester screening. Thank you for listening to our podcast. You can find this episode as well as all our other episodes and their transcripts on our website www.medtalkpod.com. You can also like us on Facebook www.facebook.com forward slash medtalkpod to stay updated about all the new episodes and any new learning resources. You can also send us episode ideas and feedback on our website or our email medtalkpod at outlook.com.